This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday night. Looking forward to another big weekend of racing, but we got to break down everything that happened last weekend. we got a couple of great interviews coming up, a little bit of discussion to have tonight. But first, let's see what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Chase Elliott has made one start with the Camping World SRX Series, and he has one win. And it came Saturday at Nashville Fairground Speedway in front of a capacity crowd while racing with his dad, Bill Elliott. Tony Stewart won the inaugural SRX Series Championship, and uh, oh yeah, by the way, he was the final IROC Series Championship as a champion winner as well. Two-time Snowball Derby winner Eric Jones will return to the Southern Super Series. Behind the wheel, the number 78 Fury Super Late Model for BJ McLeod Motorsports with Travis Braden at Five Flag Speedway's doubleheader on July 23rd and 24th. This is the first time the Michigan native will be behind the wheel of a Super Late Model in a minute. Champion Racing Association, powered by Jags and Birch Run Speedway officials, announced that the ARCA CRA Super Series portion of the originally scheduled event at Birch Run Speedway on Saturday, July 31st, has been nixed. The remaining event, dubbed the Shootout at the Dixie, will feature the Jags CRA All-Stars Tour presented by Chevrolet Performance in a 100-lap event and also the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Models. And Tyler Courtney and Kyle Larson are now royalty after the dual running of the Kings Royal at Eldora Speedway over the weekend. Both drivers pocketed $175,000 for their efforts. And that's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me. How are you, sir? Great. How did your weekend go down in uh, Nashville? Man. You had a good time down there. Huh? What an event that we had down there. Uh, Nashville, such a historic facility. And to see that place wall to wall with race fans, um, something I'll never forget. And, and I had the chance to do srx driver introductions down on the stage and the energy that the capacity crowd was giving off i've never i told you this when i said haley deegan's name it got loud and when i said bill elliott's name it got so loud and then when i said chase elliott's name i couldn't hear myself think um so it was just it was a really cool deal and i was uh blessed to be a part of it i'm glad i was able to take it in well as you would say as you just said a minute ago um it's been a minute since they had a full crowd at National yeah. Fairground Speedway, hasn't it? Oh, man. And and you know what? COVID last year really, really had things looking bleak. But I think racing is here to stay in downtown Nashville and at National Fairground Speedway. And, and I think SRX showed that. And they had a little company on the, over the weekend as well. 
Yeah, they did, Zach. Uh, on a night that saw the capacity crowd fill the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway grandstands as the Camping World SRX Series came to town, one of Nashville's own claimed the prestigious green jacket in the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, Rackley Roofing Masters of the Pros 150. Willie Allen, the track's 2015 Pro Late Model Champion, held off JEG CRA All-Stars Tour points leader Cody Coughlin for the win in one of the most prestigious pro late model races in the country, earning the coveted green jacket inspired by the Masters Golf Tournament, uh, as well as a Nashville guitar to add to his collection. Uh, Jake Garcia was officially scored with a second-place finish as Coughlin was disqualified following post-race technical inspection for a left-side weight violation. Uh, Christopher Tullis, Matt Craig, and Michael House would complete the top five and uh, Zach, some Great Lakes region drivers of note that had some nice finishes as well with that field. Uh, Chase Berta out of Columbiaville had a nice ninth place finish. And Tanner Jack out of Auburn, Indiana came home 10th. So a nice job by those youngsters. I want to send a shout out to uh, Chase Berta Motorsports because those guys had a long weekend. If you missed this on social media, they uh, threw a rod out of that oil pan on Friday during practice. and they On a brand new motor. On a brand new motor. Brand new. And they thrashed all night and uh, got a new engine put in that car and were ready to go for Saturday morning and... Um, Man, hats off to them. Nice work. Glad, glad to see it. You know what else we're glad to see? The Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim party of the Arkham and Ard series came to an end Saturday night at Berlin. Sorry, Corey. Sorry, Ty. It was getting old. And Daniel Dye became the series' third winner in the 10th race of the season. Stop and think about that. Third different winner in 10 races. What a streak Ty and Corey have had going. Um, he did so in dominating fashion, by the way, talking about Daniel Dye, the 17-year-old rookie, started on the general tire pole and led all but two rotations at Berlin for his first victory and his second Arca Menard Series start. Dye, by the way, recently signed with GMS Racing for a part-time schedule in the Arca Menard Series through the end of the year. He managed to hold off multiple charges from Ty Gibbs to go on to collect what was an emotional win. They might add to that limited schedule, don't you think, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it if, uh, you know, they decide to sign him a couple extra shows. Uh, you know what? I, I've been historically hard on Daniel Dye, but I would, I would like to see now. It looks like maybe it could have been a little bit of equipment holding him back. So now that he's with GMS, um, I'm interested to see what happens. Well, that's some pavement stuff. Let's go touch on the dirt for a minute. How about that, Zach? We had some action Let's around do it. here. Yeah, the Summer Nationals Health Tour made their first jaunt to our region last week, and uh, Ashton Winger is sure glad he made the trip. Uh, after a dominating performance on Thursday at the Thunderbird Raceway and a rainout at Hartford on Friday, Winger bagged uh, his third career Summer Nationals victory and his second in three days in taking the win at the Oakshade Raceway which also doubled as the 23rd annual birthday race. Uh, Saturday wasn't as easy, though, as Winger uh, had to chase down a feisty Jeep Van Wormer and hold off series points leader Bobby Pierce. Pierce now holds a 115-point lead over Tanner English, who finished third in his chase for his fourth Summer Nationals title. Rusty Schlenk had a nice finish, coming, who finished fourth, coming from 13th. Awesome job by Rusty. And Van Wormer, uh, would complete the top five. Zach, next up for the health tour, they get a few days off now until this Thursday, July 22nd at Springfield Raceway 
in Springfield, Missouri. You know, also going on this week, it was almost like Ohio Sprint Week for uh, the World of Outlaws. Attica Raceway Park, they raced earlier this week, and it will now forever hold a special spot in the heart of Spencer Baston. Sure, you know who Spencer is, right? One of the top? No. The Lebanon, Indiana resident can now say, though, that he's a World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series winner after he took home the 33rd annual Ohio Logistics Brad Doty Classic Tuesday in front of a packed stand at Ohio's finest racing speed plant. Attica, by the way, was also the place where the then 18-year-old scored his first-ever All-Star Circuit of Champions win back in April of 2017 in just his 15th time behind the wheel of a 410 sprint car. Now, based in who just a few weeks ago was named the driver of the Mike McGee number 11, came into Attica with a ton of momentum after winning the $8,000 All-Star event Saturday, July 10th at Sharon Speedway. Tuesday's victory in the Ohio Logistics Brand Doty Classic pocketed him $10,000. So a nice job by uh, Baston to grab the win. I watched that, Zach, and he did an awesome job. Um, he was in a class of his own. This was not close. This was not, <laughs> oh, he might win. There was no doubt from probably five or six laps in uh, that he was going to run away with this. Nice. He did an awesome job. Now, Toledo Speedway, Zach, was back in action for the first time um, in 2021 on Saturday night for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Uh, it was their 62nd anniversary show. Um, Frank Giovanni kicked off the night in qualifying by taking the top spot with a lap of 15.100. Um at the green flag of the 62-lap feature, Mike Root jumped into the lead, uh, overtaking outside front row starter Austin Fredwall. Austin Fredwall up from the Owasso area, normally running up that way. Uh, the red flag was display displayed on lap six when Austin Thiel had an axle break, sending him into the backstretch wall and collecting Chris Benson in the process. Very scary situation. Uh, both drivers were okay, but uh, they, not the same can be said about their race cars. Heavy damage on both. Fred Wall powered his way by Root on the restart and stayed out front until Root dipped low on Fred Wall on lap 19 to retake the top spot. Dennis Strickland and uh, Giovanni followed in Root's tracks to, to drop Fred Wall back to the fourth spot. Giovanni slid by Strickland on lap 34 to take second and set his sights on the leader, only to have an oil line go on the very next lap. Uh, that sent uh, Giovanni down pit road. Root stretched his advantage as the laps wound down on his way to his first ever Toledo Speedway win. Strickland, Claude Plant Jr., uh, Joe Hawes, and Scott Pemberton would complete the top five. Zach, also a uh, former guest on the program, Greg Stilwell Jr., would pick up win number three on the season for the late model sportsman, while Brian Ringer and Dennis Wisman uh, Jr. would pick up victories in the factory stocks and figure eights, respectively. So, Zach, next up for the uh, Moran Chevrolet Outlaws Super Late Models, one of the biggest events in the region for the Outlaws and the longest, the Stanley Memorial 150 this Saturday at Flat Rock. Okay, Rich, time to move into, and I just, I cannot believe that it's been a month since we've done this, but time to move into one of our special segments because it's already, what, the third Monday of the month? What do we got? Well, uh, well, Zach, we're, every month we do this, it's getting more and more popular, which is which is really cool, which means the fans are you know, starting to get used to to hearing the quizzes every month. Gary, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. How you doing, Rich? How you doing, Zach? And uh, that is a good thing to hear. Like I said, it was never going to be easy, but it would be fun. And you learn a little history about auto racing and, 
in the Midwest. So that's what it's all about. It's what it always ever was about. I know the funny so, thing about it is I keep looking at I keep looking at the questions that you that you submit and I'm like, man, I'm glad I can't answer these because <laughs> I would I would be out to lunch. I mean, these are uh, really some tough questions, and you you kind of have to do some research or have been around auto racing for a while to figure these things out, Gary. Well, if you do a little bit of research and you do a little bit of thinking and you go. Oh, geez, now I remember that. You know, and I've done the same thing, you know, in conversations with people, you know, so. But anyway, it's uh, it's interesting. I like this week's First qu- question. Well, and I was just going to say, too, as we get into it, Gary, I like this week's questions because I think I have, I think I would have a shot at at least a quarter of them. <laughs> a, quarter, yeah, a quarter of them. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> that is true. You probably would. So I think, uh, you know, I think if we move into question number one, you might have a shot at one of them anyway. That's what I'm thinking is this first one, Gary. Let me hear it. Okay, question number one and quiz number four already. Can you believe that? Mm. It's amazing. But anyway, question number one, name three successful Midwest drivers named Jeep. I got one right off the bat. Even though you think it's an unusual name, (laughs) there were three very successful drivers. I would have had two of them. The third one I would have had to research, but I, I do yeah. remember the third one. But I, I it you would should. Have, yeah, but it wouldn't have been on the top of my, you know, right off the top of my head. But uh, no, that that I think I think we're gonna get some. I think somebody's gonna answer all three of those this week. I, I think, think that'll a be shot. a good one. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think they do have a shot at this that one. How about number two, Gary? Uh, okay, number two, and I didn't know this. Ooh. And of course, Tim Felmer and I have been friends for forty years. So, wait a minute. If, if Gary Lindahl doesn't know this, how's anybody else going to know this? <laughs> because I ask questions. Okay, there you go. I ask questions about things like this. But hey, you got to go there anyway. Where did Hall of Fame driver Tim Felmer start racing? And it's pretty detailed. They can't just give. They have to give them no. It is they no. It is detailed. The name of the track, right? No, it is detailed. It has to be detailed. All right. So this is <laughs> maybe that's and, a hint uh, we just gave out. Maybe, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it is. Well, you know that is a good hint to give out. Third question: This promoter is credited with bringing Outlaw Four Ten Sprint back to Michigan. I was out to lunch on this, this one, was, Gary, but I like it. I like this quiz. It, uh, it's one of those interesting things where once you get, uh, you know, once you hear the answer, you go, oh, man, really? That's pretty cool. And uh, and I'll say this, too. That, that, last name, that last name, Gary, is still uh, involved in sprint car racing today. So there's the hint I'll give for number three. Had to throw that out there, didn't you? I did. I just wanted to give a little nugget. Rich got to give a hint. I wanted hey, to give a hint. What? Sometimes, if you have nuggets like that, you can go right ahead and give it to them. Say, "All right, how about that because final you have question?" The benefit. Oh, go ahead. Of knowing the answers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and so now that—that's uh, you're right. I do have an unfair advantage there. But okay, okay. How about that final question for this week? Okay, number four, and and I had to throw this one in there because I just thought it was a cool sponsor. I mean, you know, it was really neat over the many years that I was around, you know. 
Where did Big Daddy Rubbish sponsor most of their cars? Oh, man. We need a sponsor like a that cool, on the show. Big, a cool name. Big know? Daddy Rubbish. <laughs> That's it, man. You know, I, I mean, like it. I, you know, I, I like that one, too. That almost sounds like a driver himself, doesn't it? Big Daddy. Big, Big Daddy, Daddy Rubbish. Rubbish. You know, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was, you know, you could get away with that. Mm. You know? Wow. Good stuff, man. But, uh, I- but, and I it's like all, the fact that these some of these questions this week, Gary, are questions now, Gary, did you know? You didn't know until you had to research for the show. That is true. I did do that. So there you go. So you can, you know, you can put that out there. And once you go, man, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. But, it, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are just like, you know, on my question number two, hey, I, I got to believe a lot of people over the years that are listening have watched Tim Felver race and Jason, his son still racing. So, you know, you know what I mean? So you would yeah. know some of those things and you go, really? That's what I like Gary, about the quiz. Gary, I got to ask you, um, Zach and I are going to be talking about this in just a few minutes. So, um, we got a big race coming up this weekend and I know it's one of your favorites. Um, talk about standing Memorial One Fifty, and, and, and how big you think this thing can be on Saturday. Oh, I tell you what, I think it's going to be a great race. You know, the Joy Fair Memorial, uh, we had 25 outlaws, which, uh, as you all well know, and we figured it out, has turned out to be the biggest showing of outlaws in uh, Michigan so far. And I would think uh, everybody is coming to try to beat Brian Burkaker at Flat Rock. I mean, the man has been dialed in there, and it didn't matter because him and uh, Needles got together in the Joy Fair on lap number one, they both went to the rear. Burkaker started 25th and one. Now that's a tough thing to wow. do on a quarter mile. A tough thing to do, and he came from 25th all the way back to win it. And uh, that was quite a show to watch. So I would anticipate we would get maybe, you know, in that range, the same number of cars. Now, Gary, I'm going to ask you this. Do you have a way-too-early prediction on who you think is going to win that race? I'm never going to bet against 12 car until he proves otherwise. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured I you were going to say. I'm not going to bet against Burkaker, and he's got a lot of great competition there. And I'm not saying he doesn't have competition because he certainly does all the time at that race. It's just that, you know, until they prove they can beat him. And there's going to be. I would predict winning. Yeah, Gary, and a couple of weeks ago, you know, we. Uh, we're not going to get too far into uh, what we may or may not know, but we heard there might be a couple of drivers that uh, uh, may or may not uh, be able to run with Brian Bergaker or at least give him a challenge, uh, especially over 150 laps. So we may have a couple of surprise entries uh, coming up on Saturday. That would be that would be awfully nice. And I tell you what, it would be nice, and it would be fun because those were a couple of very interesting names. So uh, that'll be a neat deal. But I tell you what, that is the one race to look forward to. And uh, see, Stan Yee, that was his favorite race when he was alive. When we had the 150, it was never a memorial race. It was just the biggest race of the year for outlaw late models. And that's why I guess Stan's name is attached to the 150. By far, all the places he ever raced, through all out the Midwest, through all those years, that was his favorite race, the 150 at Flat Rock. 
Well, Gary, we're looking forward to it, man. And thank you so much for uh, coming on and, and doing the uh, Gary Did You Know segment again this month. We'll look forward to seeing you in like three days because that's how long it was before the last one. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> it seemed like that. It did. it did. I know. It did. So oh, anyway, always a pleasure with you guys. Thanks, Gary. We'll see you Saturday. We'll see you. You got it. See you, Gary. All right. Bye. And, uh, well, again, want to thank, uh, by the way, Fast Time Racing Engines for their support of Gary Did You Know. And uh, get on over there and see what's going on over in Taylor. I know that supplies are short right now, and it's really hard. I've seen a couple of people say, oh, we had a motor issue and six weeks out. So, I don't know, Rich, maybe order some stuff in advance. <laughs> you know, if you think you're going to throw a rod bearing, uh, maybe get on the list and get them coming this way. Um, and uh, see our buddy Clayton over there. You've been to his shop before, I believe, a pretty cool place. Yeah, I used to, I, when I raced, I uh, I did business with them, and I've, I've been over to their new place. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, Clayton and Christine do a great job. If they can't get it, nobody can. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, give them a call, and, and they'll do their best to track down what you need. Fast Time Racing Engines and Parts in Taylor. Check them out on Facebook, or you can uh, give them a call at a uh, very convenient number, 734-947-1600 for Fast Time Racing Engines and Parts. Well, Rich, what do you say? I mean, you get Gary's opinion on the race, and now it almost doesn't matter what we say. But let's talk a little bit more about the Stan Yee because I want to hear what your thoughts are um, on how this is going to break down because it really is one of the biggest, if I mean, arguably the biggest outlaw super late model race of the season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anywhere else where they run. I mean, if if it is, tell me where they run more than 150 laps. Right. Uh, most of the late model races are 100 laps, and um, you know he talked about Brian Burgaker taking that win in the Joy Fair Memorial that was 100 laps. You would not believe how big the extra 50 laps makes in this race. Um, it adds a whole nother dimension to it. It has, uh, you have to think about what you're doing and you have to plan your attack because you just can't come out and run 150 laps with all your outlaw has. Um, you are not going to have anything else long before that. So, um, it's going to take a little bit of strategy. Um, some a luck some maybe some a little bit of luck with some durability <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's not it's not the easiest race to win and that's why so many of the top guys come and support this event you know i think that you mentioned you kind of jokingly said luck i think luck is a big part of our sport and especially when you're racing on a track like flat rock rich uh, you want some luck on your side to not get caught up in somebody else's mess yeah it's it's a tight little boy you can race side by side there but um you know those most of those cars are grouped together. And if there's one problem, it's not taking out one or two. Um, if you're in a pack, unfortunately, the guy third or, you know, two or three rows back is going to probably get most of the damage, to be honest with you. Yeah. So you're hoping the guys up front in front of you are, are mining themselves and, and are keeping their race car under them because it, it, you just don't have a lot of time. The outlaws get around flat rocks so quickly, 11 second laps. Um, you know, almost fast enough where you so fast you get dizzy. Uh, and there is just no time if something happens um, for a field to stop running that close together. So I asked Gary, and I'll ask you now, way too early predictions, who are you watching to go to victory lane on Saturday? You know, um, you got to like the defending champ, right, from 2019, Brian Bergacre. Um, he's been putting on a show in the Outlaws the last couple of years. Um, so you... But you can't just give it to him, you know. You, you you can't hand it over, and I think he would tell you the same thing. Um, I think he believes Steve Needles is every good bit bit as good as he is. 
Um, and I think if they didn't have the incident in the Joy Fair Memorial 100, that I think it would have came down to them too. Um, and there are more guys. I mean, Justin Schroeder, who has won that event before, that's his home racetrack. I mean, he could be outstanding. I know when he won it, he drove away from the field uh, and won it. So, it, you know, it could be anybody. Um, I just think you really have to pay attention about getting your car through the first 100 laps. And if Brian Bergaker doesn't take care of his car for the first 100 laps, he's not going to he's not going to win the race and be around for the last 50 or have a car good enough to do it. So I think, um, you know, we don't know. We haven't seen an entry list that'll start coming out more and more this week. I think every bit of 25 to 30 outlaws will be there, um, especially for a 150 lap race. And a lot of a lot of guys uh, in that division support Stan Yee Jr. Uh, and coming out to race in his father's memory. Uh, Stan's a great guy, liked by a lot of people. And so I think it's a very popular event. And, um, you know, I can't wait for it. I, that's one of the events that I look forward to every single year on pavement. Time to get into our first interview of the night, and it's our pleasure to welcome back a guy who we've had on the show before, and, uh, man, he's a staple in some of the racing communities to the west of our state. Yeah, Zach, uh, making his second appearance on the program, uh, picked up a big win uh, this weekend over the Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. We'll talk about that. He pocketed a nice uh, $2,000. I think anybody will take that. Makes his home in Middleville, Michigan. Buddy Head, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Man, buddy, first of all, congratulations. Um, pretty cool to win a Russ Densmore Memorial Race. That always means a lot to a lot of people over there at Springport, Michigan. Um, not that it was easy, but but it had to have been pretty cool to win that event. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was a great event. Um, you know, we, we didn't anticipate how many good cars were going to be there, which was nice to have all the good cars show up that did. Um, you know, and, and everything just worked out in our favor, everything. No, starting last week, we we started working on the car, trying to get it right for over there, and right out of the box, the car was really good. So, now most people know, um, you know, you, you've got eight championships over at Kalamazoo, and and the last seven in a row. Um, but you got a battle this year, don't you? You're going to have to get up on the wheel. I think you're running fourth in the points, and and you got some points to make up. Yeah, we have a lot of points to make up this year. We, uh, we've been struggling with, with the motor at, at Kalamazoo, and we've had two flat tires late in the race, which, you know, it made it where it was virtually impossible to get back on the track. So we had two DNFs so far, which is pretty unheard of for us usually, which, you know, it, it, it does make for great racing. And, you know, these guys all at Kalamazoo work their butt off day in and day out, you know, to, to stay up with what we do. Now, I think that anybody that knows you or, or maybe people who don't know you know that you're – Pretty faithful to a couple of racetracks, that, of course, being Kalamazoo and the other uh, being Galesburg. What what led you to uh, venture out on Saturday and, and head over to Springport? Uh, we actually always love Springport. That's one of my favorite tracks, actually. Um, back when they were building that track, I actually, you know, used to go over there and just check it out. That was before I was even racing. But we always enjoyed, you know, being a part of it. And uh, I think my first race there would have been night like 1993 somewhere around there okay, and very cool we, yeah we just we absolutely love that track every time we go there and, and and actually we already discussed it and we're gonna put a full season in there next year oh okay very cool awesome kind of a l- little bit of a breaking news right there uh, for those yeah, listening actually, closely that's pretty big breaking news <laughs> for us because 
nobody really knows that yet except for part of our team, and that's about it. Wow. So what is leading you to um, dedicate yourself to this track? Uh, I mean, and I guess what about it has been so appealing to you over the years? Um, you know how Donnie and Drew and everybody over there, Kurt, them guys, they, they show, when you show up there, it's anything that you need that, you know, if you need something, they're there to help you. Um, you know, it's fun to see the kids on the track before we actually race, you know, with the, for their, um, wedge cars, it's just a very laid back track. And, uh, you know, I think racing needs that right now. So, you know, cause a lot of these, these tracks you go to is so fast paced, hurry up and get on the track. Everybody's always upset with somebody, and you know, and it's just not like that there. And buddy, you know, Zach and I talk all the time about, uh, it, and and it's always a, a popular topic with car counts. Um, it seems to me like the template late models or late model sportsmen, you know, what it, you, it it's the same thing pretty much at each track, um, are actually one of the divisions that is not having that problem in twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know, every race that we've gone to, I think we've had probably a minimum 18 cars, uh, just depending on where we're at. Um, we we pretty much devoted our time to Galesburg this year with my son, and he's been. that's why we've been at Galesburg a lot. And um, he took a vacation last week, so we ended up going to Springport and had, you know, had some fun. Now, I want to break down this race uh, that, that we – talked about or kind of previewed for you uh bringing you onto the show uh this russ densmore birthday celebration now you were the hard charger but you had some company uh john trudell was right there i mean he followed you through the field on your hunt to the <laughs> yeah. front how, how was this 50 laps for you you know what uh it was it was a hard 50 laps because i started following my brother through the field and he was making some pretty good headway and you know follow follow and and all of a sudden i seen a puff of smoke come out of his driver's compartment and i was like well that's not good and he slid right up and i was like well take advantage of it while we can we made some ground up right there because he, he took the top line went backwards with it so that helped us out a little bit getting moved to the front um then we got up to the leader which was dylan stovall at the time and i could just i seen him getting more and more loose so we started i, I started working on the outside of him and I seen how loose he kept getting, I, so I backed out of it and I waited a couple laps, and we eventually just we drove underneath him coming out of two because he got too loose. So, and you know, there towards the end of the race, I think we got a, a yellow, probably somewhere. I think they were fourteen to go or something like that. And I virtually had zero brakes at that point because we were driving so hard in the corner. I didn't know where Trudell was, and I, I didn't wasn't wanting to give me more chance than what, he, what I was already giving him, you know, to be there. So. Right. Um, we pretty much let the brakes cool back down. Thank goodness it was a long yellow. We got we got a lot of our brake back, but we were backing up our corners pretty heavily going into the corner so we could finish the race. So all in all, it, it worked out backing the corners up. Now, when we talk about this, uh, these events, you know, sometimes it, it'll, it's just the byproduct of our sport. Sometimes a guy like you who's really talented, really well-respected, will show up at what should be a big event. And, yeah, kind of a lackluster entry list, and, and you would expect a guy like you to win. In this case, let me break this down real quick. So you're there, your brother's there. John Trudell, as you mentioned, Dylan Stovall, Billy Hudson, who's really coming into his own in late model sportsman racing. Uh, you got Chris Muntz in there. I mean, the, the guys that you're racing with in this race, no slouches in template racing. No, not at all. That's, that was a nice part. Um, 
you know, you had Dagger there, you had Paige there. I mean, you, you had a lot of good drivers there, and um, they, we weren't lacking talent. That's for sure. It was it was a good race. Um, I was surprised on how the how good the car was. You know, we got to the front pretty quick, and I generally don't like getting there that quick because I don't like leading. I rather take it, you know, with a few laps to go. But uh, it's how you burn your car up usually if you get up to the lead too early. So now I was looking. Something I caught, and I don't know if anybody else did, and you, you have to tell me what <laughs> um, you had a cool graphic on your number uh, on your door. Oh, Talk yeah. to me about that. <laughs> that That's my dad. Uh, that actually was a picture that was taken, and he wasn't even the focal point. He was just, he was in the background, and he was just laughing his head off, and kind of I, I love that picture about him, and we, we started carrying that on my car. Oh, I think it's been three years now. So he, he passed away due to cancer. So mm. I had never seen that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd seen your car, but I never looked at it close enough uh, until the, today, actually, when I was looking at the Victory oh. Lane photos and I saw it, I said, what the heck is that? I thought it was a glare or something. <laughs> and I thought, it was, you know what? It's awesome how you guys honor him like that. I think it look, looks cool. Yeah. And that, that's, that's been a big deal. Um, fortunately, my when my dad was alive, um, I did a tribute to him. Uh, while he was still alive so it was kind of cool that he got to see that before he passed so and then I, and now i just carry the one picture I, I did a big collage originally but now i just carry the one picture um when we when we design the cars up what led you to do this collage for him um and and i'm i'm ripping this off your facebook page as we speak you posted this in 2018 um what what led you to do this which is a very uh, even i think even cooler than the picture that you have of now is to kind of it's almost like embodying the history of the head family in auto racing. And then that's what it was about, you know, cause he had won a lot of races when he was going through his years of racing. he won over 200 races. So, um, that was huge to me and a, a goal of mine to do as well. Um, so for me to honor him while he was still alive, uh, that, that was real important to me. And, and it looks like too, as, as we look on your social media page and pictures that you've been tagged in, the 46 now is almost iconic with that picture of your dad in it, whether it's on your template car or a street stock or whatever you're racing. It looks like if you can, that's what you're using. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I pretty much resorted to that, per se, uh, but I enjoy it because I, and people don't, don't, don't know it's my dad. I had one person I had passed, they didn't know what it was, and they said that it looked like I was laughing at him when I passed him. I was like, no, that's not what it's about. Don't, don't take offense to what I do here. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think it's good to clarify that, um, although I do think that if that's what it was for, that'd be entertaining too. But, you know, the, yeah. the, I, I do I do love this tribute, like Rich said, and, and what an awesome way to do that on this race car. Now, i got to ask you this. So you, you talk about you're going to make a move for Saturdays for 2022, what about here in 2021? What do you got cooking here? Realistically, we're about halfway, maybe even a little past halfway through the season, depending on, on where you race. Are you trying to sew up any goals, or, or how are your goals looking that you sat, uh, set at the beginning of the season? How's your season going so far? The goals we set at the beginning of the season has not changed. Um, we really weren't running for a full championship, uh, and the reason being we have lost a lot of crew members over the last couple of years. I have, I have Mike Spivey. Um, which has been my crew chief for many years now. He is—he's been sick for a couple of years now. Um, he has kidney um, failure, so we—we've been kind of concentrating on him. So 
instead of worrying about just points, we've been worrying about money races to try mm. helping through the year of, of getting stuff done. And, and so far our goal has been pretty good. We've won two of the big street stock races so far. And then the Densmore race, number, number the three goals we were shot for so far. And, and we, we've got all three of them so far. So that's been really nice. And that's a little different, uh, buddy, than when, you know, last time when we talked, you said, I'm running for championships. Now, extenuating circumstances at t- this time, but that's a little bit different for you. Yes, absolutely. Because we, you know, we're always, and don't get me wrong, if, if we're in the hunt at the end, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to shoot for it. Um, but our, our main focus this year was the money races and getting ready for them. Um, and un- unfortunately, we haven't been that good at Kalamazoo to, you know, our, one of our goals is the clash. So I'm hoping by the clash, we've been, we can have this thing figured out. But the last two weeks, we, we think we finally figured out what was going wrong with the car. So we'll, we'll see what happens this Friday and we'll know where we stand. Well, you can always hope that, uh, you know, there's a heck of a battle going up at the front between Nick Pressler and Chris Shannon. Um, oh, yeah. That, you know, that's going to go down to the wire, I think, just, you know, n- knowing both of those drivers. Um, maybe they can, uh, if, if they're battling it out, maybe it can help you out a couple nights. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and those guys are both hard drivers. So it's, it, it will happen eventually. And, you know, that's, that's how it just it goes down with them. So, um, like I said, we, we, we hope to. We hope we figured out what was going on with the car for the last, you know, month and a half or two months now. We we definitely haven't been the contender we wanted to be right away. And and the sad part is, we're lacking a lot of races already this year that we would normally be in. So um, it's just either weather or the scheduling just didn't work out. Uh, we we got canceled because they didn't have a night of destruction, so they ended up putting a night of destruction where we had a normal points race. Um, it's it's been a weird year in general for racing for us. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it all turns out right. How's that? What is different for you? Uh, Rich mentioned the change, and I was thinking the same thing the last time we talked. Uh, you know, you were one of the rare drivers that said, no, we show up to race for championship points. Um, and you can find that interview on our uh, on-demand site uh, anytime. Just uh, search it or scroll through and find it. But what was the change yeah. like for you, buddy? Because you have been racing for points so long. Was there anything that you mentally had to change to, to go out there and, and try to compete for wins in big money races? Yeah, it, it did change a lot of things that I do because, you know, we, uh, we tried some pretty, pretty extreme shock changes this year so we could travel. Um, and thank, thank goodness we had, we got Brian Bergaker in our corner and he's helped us out a lot, um, on some different stuff we did on our shocks this year. So we can travel and do the things we want to do. Um, because you know, our, our car has always been, set up and let's go for you know a championship at Kalamazoo and you don't move until you know the end of the year because you don't want to change your car too much well that we've thrown that pretty much out the window and let's go play and have fun and and see what we can win how's everything going over there at uh, Kalamazoo I know you know over at Flat Rock where, where, where I'm at every week we faced the same thing you guys did last year we didn't get a race in um and then you come back this year and it it just seems like the axis is off. It doesn't seem like a regular season, but we're racing every week. And um, how are you guys doing out there? I don't think you could say it any better than that. We're, we're off. Everybody's off. And I, and I, I don't know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a combination of so many things. We struggled with tires and, and you, you know, you name it, we've, we've struggled with it. And it's because number one, the price of tires have gone up. Um, we can't get more than one night out of them. Um, and that makes it where, you know, we don't, we don't see the 
point and racing for points right now with uh, our points fund. I think if we and, and I, I could be wrong about this too, so don't 100% quote me on this. I'm not sure we're racing for anything for points right now. Um, last year when we won the points, two years ago when we won the points, we made 600 bucks. That don't pay the bills. You know, back when we were, you know, had NASCAR points stuff like that. You know, we were three thousand, four thousand dollars, and it's just dwindled down. And it's not. It's not, and don't get me wrong, racing's not profitable, but man, I'd like to at least pay the tire bill weekly. Yeah, for sure. Well, and something to keep an eye on as uh, we move forward, and, and uh, you know, we could probably do a whole other show about the costs of racing and how to try to pay that tire oh, bill. Yeah. Oh, man, it's crazy. But, buddy, uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, congratulations on that win at Springport, and allow us to be the first to say good luck in 2022 chasing that championship. I appreciate it, guys. Well, our appreciation to Buddy Head for uh, joining us on the show. And, and how about that? Buddy Head going to take on Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. I, I was not expecting that little bit of news to come out. And I think it is a big deal when, um, you know, you talk about a guy who's been really dedicated. You know, you mentioned it at the top of his interview to Kalamazoo. And, um, you know, I, I have to wonder, Rich, if he's going to dedicate and try to run for a championship on Saturday you're probably not going to see him flirt with the chance of wrecking a race car on Friday not much anymore. Yeah, maybe. I bet you never know. I mean, you know, you know, the, the head family, they're racers. You know, they just want to go racing. So it's up to them. When I looked at the points today, I was like fourth in the points. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got some points to make up. Well, over 100 back. And I was like, that's not what you see out of Buddy Head. That is absolutely not. Something's going on this season because that's not what you'd see. Seven championships in a row, um, you know eight total that's not what you see and and he kind of explained it to us you know what was going on but uh no he's uh you know i don't it doesn't look like he's going to quit racing anytime soon but uh you know that that's tough to do i mean that's a nice string that seven in a row that's a nice string anybody would want to have yeah and he i think he's earned the right to decide what he wants to do for sure and now moving into what could be could be get the button get the where's the where's the red button the hot button it's time for hot take it's hot take monday night on horsepower happenings and uh, it's our pleasure to welcome in one of the guys who has been uh, really has had an interesting 2021 season in imca modified racing let us know who we're talking to yeah zach usually when we post uh, we put when we post on social media who we're having on the show uh, the comments don't start till afterwards <laughs> this should be fun <laughs> Okay. Uh, this gentleman drives the 187 Imca Modified, uh, and you can see him around dirt tracks in our region, makes his home in Fenton, Michigan. Gavin Hunyadi, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I, I try not to mince too many words, so, uh, you know, sometimes that gets people fired up right away, I guess. But, uh, well, before, before we get everybody fired glad up. Glad to be on. Yeah, before we get everybody fired up, uh, talk to us about your about your 2021 season, you know, uh you probably got to race a little bit more probably last year than you thought you were going to be able to. And then how's this year gone for you? Uh, it's been challenging to say the least. I mean, uh, we, we actually took last year off. Uh, we had, we had moved and built a new shop and then decided to hit it pretty hard this year. You know, we started off down at Bristol. Uh, we destroyed a car down there and then, uh, we bought another car kind of last minute just to get back racing. And it's, it's been a challenge to say the least. And, uh, you know, not some of that's on me. Some of that is uh, just the competition is really good in this division right now, and that's, I guess, the types of challenges you want to have is uh, is through a tough competition and a lot of strong competitors and, and a good strong division. So, 
I'm not going to complain about that one bit. I want to park it uh, on this part of, of our discussion with you, and um, I want to kind of talk about Bristol because I know it was several months ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk to you. You were on the laundry list of guys from this region who came back with tore up race cars. Um, you know, yourself, Chase Berta, uh, a couple of other guys from around this region whose names I can't remember at the, at the top of my head. Um, what is taking a risk like that to go down there and do a once in a lifetime thing and then coming back with a destroyed race car, I mean, what does that do to you? you? You know, I think that you're kind of fortunate that you were able to be able to go out there and buy a car and still continue a season. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, it's it's probably hurting us more at this point in the season because it's it's more difficult to rebound from some of these smaller crashes like the the ones we've had in the last two weeks, just because our inventory is depleted. You know, now we're finding ourselves in kind of a parts shortage situation across the country, which is making it tough too. But you know, as far as Bristol is concerned, I could have tore that car up at Tri-City or Silver Bullet or Crystal or I-90. I mean, it's just a different racetrack in a different state. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of guys said that right away that they were concerned about the speeds and, and these and these things and that things. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were the ones sitting at home kind of while we were down there racing. And, <laughs> you know. If they want to complain from the couch, I guess that's their prerogative, but I'd rather be out there racing and doing it. Well, let me ask you, because Zach, Zach and I did have this discussion um, during Bristol week. Um, was the speed too high for some of the guys that went down to the race? Uh, maybe for some of the experience levels. Um, you know, I, I've gone faster in a sprint car at Hartford or I-96 than we were going there in a modified. And I would think a modified could take a hit a lot better than a sprint car could. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I mean, was it more dangerous than a typical track because of the speed? Maybe a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can get hurt anywhere doing this. And if, if that's not a reality to you, maybe you need to think about what you're doing. For sure. Now, I want to draw the lines to all the dots on this uh, paper here. You mentioned sprint car racing, and, and you're doing the IMC Modified racing right now. How do you, how do you land in IMC Modifieds? What's the, the kind of brief overview of Gavin Hunyadi? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up around IMCA racing when the pavement tracks in Michigan were still IMCA. That, that's what my dad started racing in the late 80s. Uh, he was a motorcycle racer, and then uh, transferred over to, to cars and, you know, living in the Flint area, it's, it's mostly paved tracks over here. Um, so, you know, as, as a kid, I grew up around that form of racing. Um, you know, been working on these kind of cars ever since I was like 10 years old. You know, I used to have to lie about my age to get into the pits at a <laughs> and stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of where I got started. We, uh, we started in a pavement modified when I got out of school. Um, you know, and, did that for a while kind of got disheartened about the, some of the costs and stuff that were going on in that world um realized i could go race a, a dirt 360 sprint car for about the same budget um so you know instead of being a, a mid-pack pavement modified racer i could be a mid-pack dirt sprint car racer and that seemed like more fun at the time so uh we went and did that um grew up a little bit kind of decided i didn't want to invest quite as much and my racing career and we came back to a modified um i spent i think it was 2015 uh we had a sprint car and a modified in the same year because we didn't know if we wanted to really jump in with both feet and uh you know we were worried because you go from a a sprint car back to an imca car and it's like well you know is it going to be fun is it going to feel really slow um 
and it did, but the competition was still really good. It was very difficult to drive, so it, it had some challenges that made it uh, obvious that it was the right choice. And uh, I haven't looked back since. Uh, love racing this division, love the competition locally. Uh, I love being able to go pretty much anywhere in the country and, and race under the same set of rules. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. Now let's talk about IMCA racing for a minute um, because it is a little bit different than norm- where you would normally go to a regular racetrack. Um, and, and they have what we call claim rules. Now we're not going to get into yet the right, wrong, claim this, claim that. But explain to someone who doesn't know what exactly that means. So, and I, it is a very difficult set of rules and there's a lot of procedural things. So I, I still may not get this all correct, but uh, the, the essence of it is that at the end of the feature, the top four cars pull it off the track into what is called a claim area. Um, meaning that they are eligible to be claimed. If they have an open engine, the engine can be claimed and anyone can have their shocks claimed. Um, the procedures start to uh, kind of fan out from there. So you have to, in order to claim someone, you have to have the cash amount that you are, for what you are claiming. Uh, I think it's $50 a shock and $1,000 an engine. You have to have that and your claim card and I believe your IMCA card on you in the car. So that has to be in the pocket of your fire suit uh, in order for you to uh, legally claim that's the first procedural step. You have to pull in right after the, the leaders do, flag down an official, tell them what you're going to claim, and uh, then you have to pass tech. You have to do several other things. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's not simple. I mean, there, there's a lot of rules I think people don't understand. I think one of them is that you have to have perfect attendance at that track. Uh, I think that's tripped up more claims than uh, – yeah, I'll put it this way. I've seen more attempted claims that didn't go through than I have seen actual claims. Now, so, now, so let me, so I'm guessing after the helmet, after the neck and shoulder restraint, the third thing you're putting in your car is not that, not your IMCA card, is it? <laughs> <laughs> On a typical night, no, you, I don't think you'd have any of that stuff in your pocket, but, uh, but yeah, if, if you, so yeah, you have to, have a premeditated moment there to uh, to realize that you're going to do this before the feature starts. So the the goal of this, uh, I think, when you look back at IMCA and and these tracks that did this for their other divisions, I think the goal of this, Gavin, was initially wholesome, and that was to help keep the cost of racing down. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, it's the threat that at any given moment you could lose an engine for, you know, and this is all before the crate, crate motors came out, but that, you know, at any given moment you could lose that engine for whatever the claim dollar amount is at that time. So it, yeah. And I don't think it was meant to be that you could replace the engine for the cost of that claim, but it, it, it was there to keep you honest, right. You're not going to spend $10,000 on an engine that you could lose for a thousand. Right. So, and now the reason we're bringing this up is because uh, here over the last couple of weeks, really over the last week, um, the claim rule is is really back in the forefront of uh, the Michigan Motorsports discussion. Um, and, and you mentioned uh, kind of uh, hidden there that, you know, if you have a claim engine or excuse me, if you have a crate engine, you know, you're pretty much uh, you're you're free and clear on an engine claim. But if you have an open motor, 
um, then then you you could be claimed at any time. Now this claim discussion is, is happening because Gavin, there's some drama on social media um, about a, a driver being claimed at a racetrack over the weekend, and 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 I don't know if it's a crew member or a fan or what have you, but not taking the situation lightly. Um, and so I want to ask you first off for your opinions. Um, let's say Gavin, you win at tri city, which you have done and somebody decides to claim you what, I mean, what does this spark in your mind when this happens? I might be the wrong guy to ask that question too. Um, cause it's never happened to me, but you know, I knew the, the rules of the game when, when I showed up at the racetrack and, and I knew it was a possibility. So, um, you know, somebody takes all five shocks off my car for 250 bucks. Yeah, that's going to hurt. I mean, that's, that's an amount of money that is going to hurt me a little bit. Um, I kind of wonder why somebody would do that. Um, why somebody would claim you know, the I, shocks. I, yeah. I, and I think, and, and the reason I say that is I think there's a couple different reasons that go through somebody's mind. You know, one is they're going to try to get better from the equipment that they're claiming. I think another one is that they're trying to punish or, or trying to slow somebody else down. And that one kind of irks me a little bit. You know, if, if you're trying to just hinder somebody else's performance, that's maybe not in the intent of the rule. Um, I would hope that somebody's trying to get better by, uh, by claiming somebody else's equipment. And, you know, I have claimed somebody's shocks before, and that was the, uh, the motivation I had. You know, and I, and I told the person when I, when I did it that, you know, I admired the way that their car had looked when they passed me the last two weeks. And, uh, I was struggling with my own program between a couple shock builders at the time and decided I needed to do something. Um, you know, and in full transparency, I sold those shocks back to that person the next day after I dynoed them and ran some experiments on my car. So, you know, I wasn't out to make money off of their equipment. I wasn't out to, uh, you know, try to hurt them. My goal was strictly to get better. So, if that's what somebody's thinking, I think that's maybe okay. But uh, if it happened to me, yeah, I like I said, I, I knew the rules when I went into it, so I, I can't really be mad about it. And, and Gavin, I guess that's you know, I, I was you led me right to it. Um, everybody knows the rules; they know when they pull in the gate that that's a chance. Um, and I'm going to say probably, and maybe you can disagree with me. It's probably not personal, right? So if it's personal, that's a different that's a different situation. Um, yeah. but you know what I mean? So, so nobody really has, and you know, if it's personal right off, right at the top, everybody knows. Um, but if it's not really, no one has the right to get mad because the rules are built for fairness. Is that not right? Yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it, but you know, you hit it right on the head. There's people that are going to take it personal. There's, you know, it goes hand in hand with the the Facebook drama, right? People people are going to get bent out of shape about something no matter what. And those mm-hmm. guys are probably determined to uh, to have a bad time and uh, you know take everything personal. So you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt too, I think. So I, I want to just kind of break this down and and understand a little bit more why this isn't working. I guess um, why this claim rule isn't keeping costs in check and why in Michigan claims aren't happening more regularly. Um, you know, and, and 
you know, why guys aren't going through this very often. Rich said it uh, when I was talking to him off the air and I brought up this discussion and he goes, oh, well, it's a gentleman's agreement and, and everybody knows that you're not going to do it. UMP rulebook has it in there that you can claim, but never do you see a UMP modified get claimed on anything. IMCA is still kind of where it happens, but not really in our region. Yeah. Do, you, do you have an opinion on why we're not seeing it at all? I don't think it's a gentleman's agreement. Um, you know, I, I think in most cases, people don't have that much to gain because everybody's so close. So you already think um, it yeah, is working. Before- you already think it is working and keeping everybody close. I, I, I think it's, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it works to, to be honest. It, it, let, let me back. I think it works probably as good as it can. It, it's, it's not an ideal rule, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a self-policing rule because some things would be more difficult to tech if you were to have very specific shock rules, um, which IMCA also does have, by the way. But, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, I, I think the majority of the cars out there have pretty comparable equipment. So, you know, like I said, that when I claimed a set of shocks, it wasn't because I wanted that, that set of four Penske's. It was because I wanted to know what they were, and I took them and I dynoed them and and got that information and I I sold them right back, you know, because I didn't want to hurt the team that I got them from. Um, You know, and I think that's maybe there's a little bit there, but, you know, for the most part, every team that's even a little bit competitive is working with a top-notch shock builder. They've got, you know, a good set of quality shocks on their car and it's, you know, it is what it is. Are they driving the cost down to $50 a piece? Well, no. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. You know, if if you saw that Bilstein without a, a shot graph sitting on a table at a slot meet, how much would it be worth? And so, you know, and that's a good a shock builder. It's two two fifty three hundred dollars, but sitting there on that table, it might not be seventy five fifty dollars. So maybe it is close enough. I, I don't know. I, I, that's a difficult question to answer. And do you? I mean, and that's a good point too. That these prices that are set in the rule book are not replacement value. And uh, that that's that's again probably done intentionally for it not to be replacement value, so that neither the buyer nor the uh, person who's being claimed is really coming out ahead or behind. I mean, I guess maybe the guy that's being yeah. claimed is coming out the worse uh, in the whole deal. For sure, for sure. I mean, it, it like I said, even if, if it happened to me, it would hurt. There's no doubt. Um, but you know, if I like I said, if I was going to turn around and sell those shocks at, at a swap meet, maybe I wouldn't get that much more money for them anyway. So it's tough. Should they up some of their prices? Maybe I, I don't know. Mm. Um, the engine claim thing is just is just so rare anymore because pretty much everybody's on a crate. So that's the one that really seems to have the most disparity to me. Um, you, know, you can't even really buy a set of rings and bearings for what the the engine claim uh, price is, but but it's kind of such a non-factor anymore that yeah, I don't even know if it's worth talking about. But Gavin, if, 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 um, you know, Rich France here rolls in with his brand new IMCA modified next week, and I choose to spend a thousand dollars to have some custom built shocks that are legal. Um, it's my fault if they get claimed, right? Well, I, I mean, if, if you're the first time out there, you're in the claim circle, more power to you, man. You, you, you've made some history right there. <laughs> um, but but uh, the number you threw out there is, is not unquestionable for a set of shocks by any means. Um, I probably have more than that in my set of shocks, to be honest. 
Mm. And do you notice how he got quiet there? Because sure. you know what's going to happen is we're going to have Gavin on the show. He's going to go out there. Can we edit that out of the show, please? He's going to go out there and blister the field, and somebody's going to be a smart aleck and claim him. Now, if that happens, don't come to Horsepower Happenings for financial support. We don't have any money. Um, now, somebody, Michael, Michael got on here and says no one has the, and I'm going to help him out a little bit, testicular fortitude to claim anymore. I don't think that it's about that, but maybe it is. I mean, is there going to be repercussions down the line if you claim somebody? Like, should we be watching for drama to unfold after what happened over the weekend? Uh, other than the nonsense on Facebook, probably not. Okay, so <laughs> you're not opinion. you're not going to see mean, somebody go out there and uh, you know the driver who claimed is not going to get dumped probably by the driver who who was claimed. Uh, maybe in some cases, but I, I'll put it to you this way: the guy that I claimed a few years ago, he and I were joking about it via text message before you guys called me. So I mean, there's there's not that much animosity in most cases. Um, you know, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. We we knew the rules when when we decided to show up and play. And and then I guess the last question I have f- that I have for you is um, Brent, longtime listener, great supporter of the show, um, says it seems to me that the tracks that have a legitimate claim rule and it gets used have a more level playing field with higher average car counts. He says there's a reason the IMCA tracks average around 20 cars a night and the B-Mod tracks are now averaging 12 to 15 a, n- a night. It doesn't have anything to do with payout. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't, I, I think he's, he's on the right track, but it's probably more related to the, the benefits that you get with IMCA sanctioning and, and point systems. So, I mean, um, you know, the I, IMCA right, wrong or indifferent, you know, they, they seem to spur a lot of, uh, interesting conversations, but at the end of the day, it, it creates a very level playing field with their set of rules. Um, whether you like the way that they work or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now it's it's a really good place to be. There's a lot of competition everywhere they go. So I, I think he's he's right on with that. I don't know if it's necessarily the claim rule or if it's the whole package. You know, it's, it's tough to say. Um, you do get a sense of confidence when it comes to tech and some, some things like that at most of the IMCA tracks I've been to. Um, it's a little bit more strict, and, and I think that keeps things – even right there so um yeah is it specific to the claim i don't i don't think i could say that 100 percent, but mm. it probably doesn't hurt well man uh, i appreciate you kind of stepping out on the limb on behalf of uh uh you know the the division in our area because you know it did kind of drum up some controversy is it necessary probably not um it's just it's a part of our sport that quite frankly, we don't see happen very often anymore. Um, you know, back in the day or even, you know, 15 years ago, sure, it probably happened a bunch. But as you said now, crate engines are kind of leveling the playing field. Everybody's got one, it seems. And, um, you know, you're not hearing anybody talking about running their open motors up front in IMCA Modifieds anymore. And, you know, the shock game, I think a lot of people are are figuring out their shock game and so maybe that's not even as important anymore as you mentioned those who don't know maybe those are the ones who are going to be claiming and reselling quickly uh just to try to get some notes so man i appreciate it gavin you stepped out on a limb to give us some insight and uh hopefully race fans can show up at the track a little more knowledgeable of what they're watching out on the racetrack right on happy to be here like i said i I wish i would have gave you guys a better reason to uh get a hold of me but uh glad 
glad to support with uh, with my limited sense of knowledge on this topic and. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I would like to uh, to give you a chance. I know that you've got a couple of things going on that you do for yourself. Uh, obviously, that 187 is a pretty regular competitor at Tri City, and you've got some cool stuff that you do on the on the internet as well. Uh, you know, we're right here with this podcast, and and you've got a really cool uh, vlog that you do as well. I'd like you to to direct people where they can follow along with what you've got going on. Yeah, thanks. I uh, I try to publish at least one YouTube video a week. Uh, the channel is High in the Dirt, all one word. Um, I usually have to preface that with that is not a narcotics reference. That is <laughs> simply a, a play on a play on words, and uh, you know it's it's kind of a fun, catchy little way to to direct people. So High in the Dirt. Um, that way you don't have to spell Hunyadi if you're searching for it. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of post a, uh, a couple shop videos a week if we can. And, uh, at least one video from every race that we go to, uh, try to capture some on track footage and, uh, some of the, the raw, uh, you know, immediate thoughts when, uh, when I get out of the car or when, when we're standing around, uh, between races and, and try to give a different look, uh, to the race fans. So, um, yeah. Get on there, hit uh, hit comments on the, the videos, and uh, subscribe to me if you'd like. I, I'd appreciate it, and uh, you know that's a good way to, to catch up with us. Um, you know, we haven't been having the best season, but we try to at least provide some entertainment that way. So, well, Gavin, we appreciate it, to man. Have people watch. Yeah, well, for sure, and we appreciate it, man. Good luck, and go out there and get yourself put in that claim circle. <laughs> I will do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, our appreciation to Gavin. What an educational interview that was. Um, I, I hope that you all were taking notes, and if not, you can scrub back and listen to it all again. Um, and I know that I'm much more intrigued, not that I wasn't anyhow, but I'm I'm excited to go to my next IMCA modified race. How about that? <laughs> and, and, and you know, you think about it, that's just the cliff notes we got out of it. We could yeah. have gone, I think we could have gone another 20, 30 minutes uh, with Gavin. Uh he has so much now more than we do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he taught us some things as well, but, uh, boy, that's an interesting division to run in. Um, it keeps things level, but boy, it can sure upset some people from time to time. Can it, if I was racing again, I would have a hard time spending, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, let's call it $900 on shocks knowing and being okay with the fact that I could go to victory lane and whoosh, them bad boys are gone. Um, I just have for a hard for 250 bucks. <laughs> I would have a hard time with that being okay with that. And, and Gavin just sounds like, you know, meh, part of the game. Oh no. Race division where it's not, not part of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, and they all know that they all know the rules. So, you know, in a sense, I guess, you know, like my point was, your fault if you if, if you want to bring equipment like that to the racetrack knowing mm-hmm. that it could be gone in an instant if you're that good um i gotta kind of think uh, i'm leaning towards the fact that it's on you and you're and you gotta gamble with that fact i think though that if you want to win in this division you have to spend the 250 or 300 dollars per shock um and you have to spend the what is it six thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to get a crate motor i don't even know what they're worth right now um i, I think if you want to win you have to do that right uh, then, or, then don't be mad with the guy that, right. that can't beat you spends the money 
uh, to take what you just won with. Sure. You know, yep. that's the rules. Uh, and that's uh, un- until they change the rules in IMCA. That's what everybody races by to keep the playing field level. And um, I think I think in the end it probably works out. Uh, you know, we don't we don't have I've not had a whole lot of involvement uh, with IMCA racing. I've, I've been able to watch a little bit of it since since I've gotten involved with the show. But uh, no, I, th- I think, uh, you know, the rules when you go there. And, and I think part of you has to if you get claimed, um, you know, kind of suck it up, I guess. say Right. Well, uh, how about a chance yeah. to watch some IMCA modified racing alongside of a big money late model show? Sound like a plan? That sounds good. All right. Where's well, that going to happen? Let's at? do it. Friday, Tri-City Motor Speedway, the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series is back in action. $6,000 to win for the um, Late Model Challenge Series. Now you're asking yourself, now wait a minute, I thought after XYZ date they were all 10000 plus. Remember, they lost a show uh, last month due to weather, so this is the rain makeup from June. I think it was June. Maybe it was late May. Anyhow, they had a rain show they needed to make up at Tri-City. So this is it. All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. $6,000 on the line. Will Donamar Coolier continue to be the points leader? Probably it's Tri-City. But anything can happen because it's Tri-City. Um, and then we also mentioned IMCA Modifieds, Pro Stocks, Factory Stocks, four and six cylinders, by the way, going for $1,500 to win. And Mini Wedges, racing starts at 7 o'clock. Flip the coin, go to the pavement. Rich France, where are we headed? Well, on Friday, we're going to go to Corrigan Oil Speedway, and that's where you're going to go if you want to see a little prelim to the Stanley Memorial 150. Uh, Big 8, Northsidetowing.net, Outlaw Super Late Models, race number four uh, for that group. Street stocks, pure stocks, outlaw front wheel drives, pony stocks, bandos, all in action uh, at Corrigan Oil Speedway on Friday. Gates open at 5 p.m., racing at 7 p.m. Also on Friday, if you're looking for a little sprint car racing action, uh, my friends with the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints will be back racing. Um, You'll be uh, seeing Keith Sheffer Jr. try to pick up another win this season. Um, It kicks off a doubleheader weekend for them. On Friday, they're headed to I-96 Speedway to race the non-wing cars on uh, the big what is it? Three eighths. Everybody says it's a three eighths. Maybe it's a four tenths. It's a it's an I ninety six Speedway non wing sprint cars on Friday night. And then, Rich, we talked about it earlier. You're really excited for a big show on Saturday. Yep. Uh, and we talked to Gary about it. I get to I get. This is really one of our big shows. We really like it. The biggest show of the year at Flat Rock for sure, if not one of the biggest outlaw races in our region. Uh, the Stanley Memorial one fifty at flat, at the Flat Rock Speedway for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Figure eights will also be in action that night, uh, racing at 7 p.m. We'll get the breakdown of everything else uh, later this week of exactly what time practice qualifying is and everything else. Now, we mentioned GLTS with a double header. They will be moving to Silver Bullet Speedway on Saturday, so uh, you can make the trek from this part of the state way over to this part of the state if you're looking for something to do. Um, Silver Bullet Speedway will be the host. Actually, it's up in the thumb re- region for those of you who can't see my hand because... It's We're not audio. on TV, Zach. That's what I was going to tell audio you. Audio <laughs> show. Um, uh, anyhow, Silver Bullet, Saturday, Great Lakes Traditional Sprints. And then, not to be forgotten, Sunday, the folks with the Champion Racing Association, CRA, invite you to come down to Kill Care Raceway, where they will have the uh, Late Model Sportsmen's, the Street Stocks, the Junior Late Model Series, also the Voris Compact Touring Series is there, a short little Enduro as part of that as well. And I tell you what, I made my first trip to Kill Care at the end of last month, on the 27th of June, what a sporty little racetrack that is. Uh, unique shape, 
and a lot of fun to watch racing on. And so if you're bored on Sunday afternoon, head down to Kilcare and uh, check out our friends with CRA. And I heard, you know, talking to a, a driver that was down there, um, a lot of those drivers didn't have any experience on that racetrack. So they all went to school, and uh, and that was a great show they put on on down there yeah man well uh that's gonna wrap it up for another full season another full schedule i'm sorry another full schedule it feels like a season sometimes Season's doesn't over it already? wow that was quick <laughs> no um what a full program we had tonight uh, i do want to thank buddy head he was on vacation um today so uh we bugged him while he was up north hanging out doing nothing uh thank him for being on the program thank gavin for jumping into the weeds with us on the uh, on the crate racing deal and good luck to him. I will feel a little bad if he gets claimed this weekend. If he ends up, <laughs> if he ends up winning and gets claimed, I'll feel a little bad about that. Um, but uh, hey, nonetheless, that's part of the sport. Drop your comments. Let us know what you think about claim racing. Let us know what you think about Buddy Head going to Springport. And man, just keep up on what's going on. Um, for Scott Menlin, who pays the bills for Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk. We'll talk. Geez, it's time to wrap things up. We'll talk same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower You've Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.